Welcome to another episode of Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies. My name is Brent. I'm the host for the show, and I am pleased to announce our next guest that's coming on today is MP Mike Maurice. Uh, he's uh, the MP for Kitchener, Ontario. Welcome, Mike. Uh, thanks for coming on today. It's great to be with you, Brent. We've done a few of these over Twitter, so it's nice to see you this, yeah. yes, this time. Finally. finally. <laughs> Such a great pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. It's so nice to have you on and, and uh, talking about the pressing issues uh, that are going on in, uh, in Canada and uh, especially for uh, Canadians with disabilities um, in legislative poverty. Um, so today, where everyone that's tuning in, we're going to be talking about the update of uh, Bill C-22. Uh, anyone who is not familiar with Bill C-22, it's the bill that's... Uh, was promised 886 days ago by the federal government. Not that uh, we're counting. Yeah, and uh, counting. Not, and not that we're counting. Like, yeah, no, we're, and the days just keep ticking <laughs> up. It was promised, uh, yeah, 886 days ago, and um, we're still waiting. So um, people in legislative poverty in Canada uh, are still suffering. And so we, it's a great pleasure to have you on, Mike, to talk about update of uh, Bill C-22. That's the Canada Disability Benefit uh, Program. Yeah, it's, it's really great to be with you, Brent. And it's so important. I know we'll probably come back to this throughout the conversation, but the yeah. advocacy that you and Neil and so many others have been applying, it's going to change lives for people with disabilities across the country. And when we get it over the finish line, it's going to be because of the advocacy from the disability community across the country. And mm -hmm. so I'm just glad to be with you again this afternoon and, and try to dig into a bit of where we're at. And, 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 and if folks have questions to be able to share that, because I think this is democracy is for everyone. And mm -hmm. we, we know what an impact I, I could even share. I just came, came back. Um, we've got a real crisis in my community with respect to housing mm -hmm. and was just visiting one of our, our shelters. Um, and it's a, a, a place where, where folks now can be sure there's a bed to sleep in. There's about a hundred or so beds at this particular location. And I got a chance to chat with some of the folks there. And one of those individuals, his name was Greg. He shared with, with, with me the story I've heard too many times. In Ontario, it's the Ontario Disability Support Program that he is currently uh, receiving um, a monthly amount from, and Brent mm -hmm. hit it right in the nose. It's legislated poverty. Mm -hmm. We are legislating people into amounts that are below the poverty line. And for someone like Greg, we've made progress, but nothing is different for him today than it was yesterday or the 886 days before that. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just so important that, uh, that we all continue to keep the pressure on so, so that so the friends like Greg and others across the country who deserve uh, a more dignified life and support are provided that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very um, troublesome to hear so many sad stories, what people are having to choose um, to make decisions that to keep a roof over their head, or at least try to. In some cases, they can't even keep a roof over their head because uh, they're, they're forced out. Maybe their building has been sold. Uh, it's just not habitable. Um, in the cases where they are, they, they're living in deplorable conditions, uh, which are just not acceptable. Uh, and then they're having to make decisions of cutting medications or cutting back on uh, food uh, in order to pay the high rent. Maybe for some reason, maybe they got displaced out of where they're living and now they got to move into another more expensive place while their, their ODSP checks uh, or uh, in, I'm in BC, so PWD checks. I mean, every area calls it something different, right? Uh, but it's still not enough. It, they're, the rates are like at least 50 well, I mean, stats say 50% below the poverty level, but because of the cost of living, it almost seems like 60 to 70% below the poverty level. Yeah. I, I can tell you in my community, the, the shelter allowance portion of the Ontario Disability Support Program is less than $500 a month. And that is far from any market rate apartment in this community. Uh, and in fact, I, you know, Greg, who I was just chatting with, was saying it's more in the range of fifteen hundred, uh, and and so un- unless because governments have let us down, mm-hmm. it's left on family members to pick up the pieces. If someone is lucky enough to be in a position with yeah. a family member who can support, and so um, yeah, it 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 is it is the stories that so many who are listening in this afternoon already know, and that's why we're going to continue to fight to keep the pressure on to uh to to win the candidate disability benefit and to lift pe- people out of poverty right and you know it's all about lived experience i mean people who live uh day to day in legislative poverty they know what's best for them and but the government's you know the federal is just not listening right always excuses uh, well we have your back or you know yeah we're listening but delay 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 right and I guess that kind of goes into my next uh, topic is um, about like an emergency supplement to be put in while they develop this uh, this program. And in many cases, it's going to take years for them to really get that going. Uh, uh, I guess uh, maybe I'll, I'll get to your uh, your take on your, your view on, a you know, like a maybe go. I know on social media, we all call it DERB. Right. And so people say, well, what is DERB? Well, it's the Disability Emergency uh, Recovery Benefit, right? And that's what kind of what CERB was. When CERB was put in, when we had the beginning of COVID, it was $2,000. Now, the federal government, they didn't even want to put 2000 in. I think it was only 1000 but I know the NDP pushed, and I, I believe that you guys pushed also for to get that increased up to 2000 And so they decided, the Fed said, well, just for people to kind of get an idea of that, so they said that was the most minimum, minimum amount. I mean, the costs are much higher than that, but 2000 now, the LICO amount for 2021 is 2200 So I would say by this year, it's already 2600 But in theory, at least if we can get it to like a, a base amount and then build from that point on to get people up from where the deplorable rates are right now, 
uh, which are well, well below the poverty level. So what's your view on that, uh, Mike, um, about a, uh, a supplement? Well, I think first of all, CERB demonstrated to all of us that it's possible for politicians to work together in a moment of crisis to respond to the needs of people. Hmm. I think that's important to start with, right? Because there are a lot of people and political parties who are wanting to sow uh, seeds of doubt in the power of government at all. Hmm. And I'm a person who believes that government can be a force for good, that parties can work together in the interests of their communities to get things done. And CERB demonstrated yep. to us that... <laughs> In moments of crisis, it's, it's possible to act. And so, so that's a very natural connection point to say, well, listen, the disability community has been calling out for this very clearly, been waiting for whatever it is, seven years of advocacy. Mm -hmm. And if you're an elected person who's saying, yes, this is a crisis situation, then how can you not support an emergency res response? And so I, that's why I have continued to support it and, and call for it. Alongside, uh, I think uh, Benita Zarillo has been fantastic on this. Um, yeah. she's, she's been up and down every chance she can get to be calling for DERB also. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, a, a good parliamentarian should be amplifying the calls that they are hearing. I see her doing that. I will continue to do that. The challenge is we've got 336 other colleagues and uh, we're going to need colleagues from all parties uh, to call out for it. And we don't have indication that, and I think it's important not to overset expectations in terms of what can be in this year's budget. I'm not mm -hmm. seeing any indication. I'm seeing uh, when, it, when it is raised at committee or in the House, it's either um, rebuffed or uh, the question's avoided. And so we're going to have to continue to put more pressure on that front while also not losing sight of uh, the, the impetus to act on, on making progress on the disability benefit on both improving it and getting it funded too. Um, but uh, but the, yeah, the short answer on your question is anybody who's listening to the disability community has got to be advocating for an emergency response because that's what the disability community is calling out for. Yeah, and that is going to save uh, so many people um, from the despair of uh, making sacrifices that they shouldn't have to make in their lives. Uh, and I mean, deep sacrifices. And in a lot of cases, uh, you know, they're they're choosing uh, they're choosing made over um, over because they can't support themselves either financially or get the proper supports too. And that's another thing too that, uh, that nobody should have to to choose that either. Um, and uh, I mean, that's a slippery slope topic, right? I mean, some people say, oh, I, don't, I mean, I've had that so many times on my Twitter space. Oh, don't go there, man. Don't go there. Yeah. But it's reality. It's reality. It's it's something that that shouldn't have to be a discussion in Canada, really. Um, and um, they're making it too. They're making it too easy, you know, for 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 that now. And it's just well, it's yeah, dangerous. I mean, it's it's under the CRPD, right? It, it's um Canada signed on to uh, was it, I always get that terminology right. Is the Convention on the Rights of Persons with mm -hmm. Disabilities right? Uh, and it's uh, it was signed on, and they have a legal responsibility to take care of their citizens. And 
you know, given the no less than uh, the poverty level, I mean, that that should be already a, a given, right? And nobody should be living well below the poverty level. Like, it should be a standard level. And people should be able to have autonomy, right? They should be able to move freely and make decisions based on what their needs are. Uh, and that's one thing I've always stood behind. Uh, I mean, but first of all, I mean, we need to get the level up to uh, to a standard level that people can live comfortably. I think one of the concerns or one of the big concerns a lot of people have is because there's, um, you know, there have been a debate now, um, thanks to you and others uh, in the House about uh, fleshing out the bill and making it stronger. But uh, I know one of the big problems uh, a lot of people have with it, and, and me too, is uh, that there's no mention about the amount <laughs> and who's going to qualify and if there's going to be clawbacks uh, mm. uh, and those are those are pretty important details and it's a shame that those uh, details are still empty they're not they're not in the bill they're not fleshed out yet and uh, that's a concern I think for a lot of people yeah uh, Neil that, that's a great um, great topic to bring up because um, like a lot of a lot of questions that I've been hearing from people in the community in, in Victoria here, um, British Columbia, is uh, is it going to go to provincial disability, like people on PWD or um, or in Ontario as example ODSP uh, or you know any any uh, pro provincial programs, or is it only going to go to those on CPP uh, federal level? Um, my guess, I'm, which I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping that's going to go to everybody, right? Because everybody should be inclusive, 100% uh, inclusive. I mean, and also seniors, 65 plus. I, I know one of, uh, we've had uh, um, a former minister uh, from BC, Shane Simpson. Uh, he was the minister of social social development here. And he's been on Brent's show a couple of times. And mm. one of the things that he was actually very blunt about and, and refreshingly so, he's he said, um, you know, the provinces aren't going to give up the the safety net stuff like that. They're the responsibility of, of that so easily, like they're going to go kicking and screaming. Right. Because mm. I know some people say, well, just hand it all, all over to the feds. And I know yeah. that was one of the comments that Shane made, uh, Shane Simpson made, is that, you know, no, the provinces aren't going to give up, give up that easily because they, they like the control of that. Right. So that again is is an interesting point. Like, how is the federal government and the provincial government going to play nice over this thing? Because it's a, it's one mm. of those ones that you're it's cradling two sides of the fence, right? You're, you've got provincial responsibility and you've got federal responsibility, and but they all have to come together and to play nicely. And it's, so it's going to be interesting to see how the provinces play nicely with the feds. <laughs> Right, right. We, yeah, to to avoid the clawbacks and stuff. Mm. What's mm. Uh, what's your uh, what's your take on that? Mike. Well, first, I feel like, Brent, I, I have to go back to what you mentioned with respect to medical assistance and dying from earlier. Yeah. And a, a, a point that I think it's important for, for more folks to hear that we need governments moving as quickly on closing our social safety net as yeah. they seem to want to move on expanding MAID. Right. And again, those are decisions in terms of priorities. Mm -hmm. And what I and others will continue to be calling for is to, to focus on the yeah. Canada Disability Benefit, for example, on lifting people up to a dignified 
uh, level of income. And then to ensure that for someone who is, uh, is leaving with a living with an irremediable and grievous condition, all the very stringent criteria that go with made to ensure that that person has access to choose mm -hmm. medical assistance in dying. But it shouldn't be because we haven't filled the social safety net before. Right. Yeah, there's there's a huge difference between the two and uh, like a parallel where some people say, well, yeah, I mean, if they're suffering, great. But if they're if they're suffering, I, I get it. Right. And, and but if it's because of a social safety net's not strong enough, then that shouldn't be the reason for made. It, it gives us all the more reason for those of us who care about addressing poverty in this country. Yeah who care about lifting people up to be calling for that to happen again, because we know that government can move quickly if they really want yep. to um, on, on the points you're bringing up now, I think it's important for folks to be aware of some of the improvements we were able to win at committee mm -hmm. that, that at least helps provide some measure of accountability. So uh, I think the first to mention is that first of all, you're, you're so right on to mention that almost every significant decision, when someone in my community, I just, I, get, I mentioned Greg earlier, yeah. he was asking, okay, well, how much is it gonna be? Yeah. Can't tell you that. No. When's it gonna start? I can't tell you that. Who's gonna be eligible? I can't tell you that either. So we know that the governing party has created this in a way where they're leaving almost every decision to the regulations. Right. And that means that, you know, for those who aren't already aware, C-22, as Brent shared earlier, has passed the House of Commons already. It's now being reviewed in the Senate. When it gets through the Senate, it'll then ideally receive what's called royal assent. And then we can then begin the process of creating the regulations that'll make these really important decisions. Mm. One of the wins is we had added to the legislation the fact that people with disabilities must be meaningfully and barrier-free access to input in developing those regulations. Mm -hmm. So we know that those opportunities are now, well, should this all pass, um, and it has passed the elected uh, House of Commons, that that will be a legal responsibility applied in development of the regulations. So while we don't know what they're going to be, we do know that people with disabilities will be at the table throughout mm -hmm. that process. The other amendment that I was glad to see get passed after hearing about it from the disability community and putting it forward with respect to eligibility is that we got a definition for disability in the bill. Oh, good. And so one of the values in getting that definition in there is because long before I was elected, disability advocates designed and, and, and advocated for the widest possible definition of disability in a previous bill, the Accessible Canada Act. Okay. So be, like we're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Because right. of their work, because that definition already existed, it made it a lot easier for someone like myself to propose to the committee and other parties proposed the same thing. So we were aligned on this. In fact, it passed 11 to none. It was, it was a unanimous support on this amendment cool. to use that same definition. Yeah, the building blocks. Yeah. So yeah. to your question, we don't know now what the eligibility will be. And I think it's important that we're honest about that and we yeah. don't overset expectations. But in terms of trying to 
uh, advocate for it to be the widest possible scoping of eligibility, we mm -hmm. at least have that definition in there. And so as an example, um, I think it was the MS Society who was particularly mm. keen in their testimony that those with episodic disabilities would have the best possible chance of being included. Mm. And so it is. Yeah. So that's you know another line of advocacy. It's not perfect, but we know that that's in the bill. Um, the third piece on clawbacks, mm. <sighs> This is another, like, of all the criteria all the way along, every group from disability without poverty to yourselves have yeah. been saying, how do we make sure that one group doesn't take away what we're already getting? Yeah, give up and take it. Yeah. And mm. the way that the governing parties design this is the negotiations with the provinces haven't happened first. On, mm. on childcare, for example, they did it the other way around. They negotiated with the provinces first and then they passed or they're trying to pass the legislation. Mm. When you do it the other way around, the federal government, well, if for someone like, like, like myself who was trying to propose amendments to improve the bill, how do we write an amendment that yeah. tells a province what they can and can't do? Yeah. Makes they can't it do it. No, yeah. yeah. So I also don't feel that it's fair to just say, oh, we're going to trust that it's going to be okay. Mm. And so yeah. this is part of the rationale behind another amendment I put forward that was passed. Now, this one was a bit more contentious. It passed six to five, uh, but it still passed. Uh, and there was a couple like that I noticed. I was yes, the, uh, was, we we yeah. also lost a few five to yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like but this one passed six to five on a requirement for the agreements between the provincial and federal governments to be publicly shared. Perfect. So the hope is that for those of us that want to build trust in government, well, transparency helps to do that. Hmm. And for every politician who is saying we won't do any clawbacks, well, this hmm. is a chance for us to say, show us your work. Right that there's some measure of accountability that we'll be able to see those agreements and ideally reflect back and appreciate those governments for following through on ensuring that friends of mine who are on ODSP right now aren't going to have a nickel of that taken back when we mm -hmm. add the Canada Disability Benefit on top. Yeah, and that's the fear that um, some people think is uh, worry that it's going to claw right off and then they're not going to benefit at all, right? Because it's like the jolly green giant takes it, give it, and then take it away, right? It's, yeah. It yeah, just, just in the uh, show we did yesterday, and I, I've mentioned this before too, I mean, um, I'm a victim of clawbacks myself. I have a survivor's pension clawback, and it's been clawed back for almost 10 years now, you know, from my previous wife, and uh, I know this isn't, I, I mean, I'm, it's gonna sound sarcastic and, and when I say it, but it, as a person, like for me personally, when I, it just comes across this way. So, so it's, it's like the, the, the provincial government saying, you know, congratulations on the death of your wife. Um, you know, I, and I know that sounds sarcastic, but that's that's what it's it comes across like that, right? It's like congratulations on the death of your wife. We'll now take um, 
we'll minus some money away from your just disability check now. And it's like, isn't this a wonderful bonus that you got all, all this extra money now? Um, congratulations, you know, and it's just so perverse, right? And I know that's not the what the government's actually saying, but it comes across that way, right? And it's right. just so perverse. And you know, I've gone to um I've gone to human rights tribunals, uh, the one in BC here, I've gone to them about three or four times now. And just the way even the tribunal, they're supposed to stick up for you and they're supposed to like advocate for stuff like that. But I actually had uh, one of the chairs told me to my face, it's like, well, it's not discrimination if we discriminate against everybody equally. If it's equally applied discrimination, it's not mm -hmm. discrimination. And they actually said that to my face and they believe wow. it. You know, wow. and, and I'm thinking to myself as an example, I actually told the guy mm -hmm. on the phone, well, you know, they, they used to say that about the Jewish Holocaust too, and about mm -hmm. uh, people of color, you know, with the uh, colored water fountains. And even I gave the example of uh, the other day of, you know, women that didn't have the right to vote before. I mean, everybody said that that was fine too, because it was equal. It was equally applied, Equality, you know. Yeah. It, it's equally applied discrimination. Like all all women, all women couldn't vote vote before, so that was fine. You know, it's kind of the same thing now. It's like, well, if it's equally applied discrimination, it's not it's not discrimination. And it's like, what? <laughs> like you actually you're actually saying that and and bullying it, and it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, it really doesn't. You know, and those clawbacks, it really, it really hurts a person. Um, I mean, mentally, uh, financially, uh, you name it, they're all the above. Um, and clawbacks have to end. Like, they're, they're, it's just the terminology that they use. It's like, well, yeah, you're not, you know, um, earned income versus unearned income. And it's the same thing as, um, if, you know, like federal will basically give provincial money as a, as a credit to uh, PWD. Oh, um, okay. Well, we're going to give this, but oh, oh, by the way, it's now taxable or whatever. We're going to now take take it off you. So make it sound like they're going to give something good, and then they take it away. It's well, yeah. like my my service pension is taxable. Yeah, you know, and that's I mean, I call it a pink unicorn. The the, the provincial right. government's turning it into a pink unicorn because they're they're taking a known quantity of something that was earned through mm -hmm. work through employment. It's a it's an employment. It's a work benefit that is earned and, and contributed to and paid into yeah, yeah. It, it is an earned income privilege an earned yeah. income privilege and they turn it around and pervert it into some pink unicorn and say that's now it's a pink unicorn we can we can uh claw it back and it, uh -oh. and it's just a perversion of a definition and that's the thing that i don't think provinces or or you know federal governments should be able to get get away with because uh you know an earned income privilege should stay an earned income privilege for everybody. If it doesn't mm -hmm. stay an earned income privilege for every everybody, then that's discrimination. That's you know that's uh perverted policy. Right, magic unicorns, yeah. <laughs> pink unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and that uh, kind of goes into um, like another topic of. Uh, uh, about housing, Mike, um, you know, like you, you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned about the housing, like $1,500 and stuff. Uh, it's so high. Um, and people on disability uh, benefits and on provincial levels. Uh, I mean, they, the shelter rates, I mean, and I was talking about this the other day, you know, shelter is like this drives me crazy, that word shelter rate. Because like right away, I, I look at a bus stop and they call it shelter, shelter, everything's shelter. <laughs> like, ah, 
like yeah. in BC, just for instance, I'll just quickly touch on this and then uh, um, I'm quite, a, you know, as you know, a strong advocate about the shelter rates and like in BC, just for instance, um, uh, 15 years, 10 months, uh, at the beginning of March, it'll be 11 months. So I took it up again, but yeah, if you don't have a fixed address, you don't get that shelter, right? It's stuck at $375 and um, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, you have to basically prove you got housing. Well, if you're, if you're staying couch surfing, cause you can't afford the high rents, but you can afford because the cost of living is so high. And again, that's why we need the C22 to, to as a top up to the provincial levels, because like the high rents, the cost of living, you can't afford the market rent. So if you're staying somewhere for, oh, I don't know, uh, two weeks at a time somewhere. And then somebody else says, stay here, according to the government, that's not a fixed address you don't get your shelter, but now you're going to take that off your support. So now you got less to have until you can now find a permanent address. Now the landlord's going to look at it and say, well, what is your, what is your income? Now you have to say, well, that's what my income is. Well, how can, well, we're not going to rent to you because we don't want you using up all of your support portion to basically pay market rent. And there's a long waiting list to get into subsidized housing. And I mean, and again, um, that's, I mean, great on governments to building um, through nonprofits. Uh, we badly need that kind of housing. But in my view, I, I think people should be able to live in the housing sector that they live in. And they should be able to, um, I don't know how it is in Ontario or other jurisdictions, but um, the basic sites, in, in, I'll use BC as an example, because that's where we are, but so as seniors, they're in, they can live in their own house. They can live in market housing. They can apply for a the senior supplement where for housing and they can actually still stay in their own home and they get that supplement. So now they're paying less on their market rent, but they're getting that subsidy. So it's like almost like uh, being in an, a nonprofit housing, but you're, you're in your own house. And I don't know if that's how that's going to work for PWD. I think it could be beneficial in many ways. It keeps people housed. Well, let me first of all say, Neil, uh, I'm really sorry you had that experience. Mm. And I think it's why having people with lived experience at the table is so important because nothing is more powerful at these tables than having you share of that experience and the impact that that experience has on, on, a, on a person. That, that's just, it's, a, it's, it's such a disgusting thing to say. I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, well... That's another thing, too, is it's been 10 years of this, right? And I, I know there's a lot of people that would probably would have given up in the first year or maybe two yeah. years. And I just keep hammering away at it and keep picking away. And, uh, well, you know. Yeah. yeah, you're a great advocate and I admire your resilience. But it's possible to both admire one person's resilience and be angry that that should be required at all. It, it shouldn't <laughs> need to be that way at all, right? Um. I really appreciate, Brent, that you're bringing housing into this conversation, because if we're all so honest, um, yeah. you know, for all of the importance of the disability benefit, of recognizing mm -hmm. that people with disabilities are disproportionately living in poverty, we could cut poverty by 40%. Oh, yeah. Easily. If we ensured that every person with a disability had a guaranteed income, including those over the age of 65, we can come back to that if you'd like. But sure. on, the, on the point of housing... Yeah, I think it's important to note that income supports on their own are not enough. Right. So income supports on their own, if landlords and corporate investors have no regulations to ensure 
that rents don't continue to rise exponentially mm-hmm. are going to be insufficient. And so we also need to address the root causes. So in my community, our unsheltered population has tripled since 2018. Wow. We have some folks, it's, it's, it's devastating. We have folks who do a points and count study and we know it was just over 3,218 and over a thousand in 2021. Hmm. And so when you think about the root causes of that, the Hmm. researchers uh, like Martin August from the university of Waterloo are pointing out what they call the financialization of the housing market. Mm-hmm. A way I like to put it is I'm a bit of a hockey fan and I can't, most folks can't go to a Leafs game in, in Toronto, for example, because you're not competing with other people for tickets. You're competing with massive corporations who bought up most of the seats already. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've, you know, the housing market has been turned into that where homes aren't, and they should be, they should be places for people to live. They shouldn't be investment vehicles for the largest corporate investors across the country. And so we need elected people who are rebalancing things and say, yeah. okay, what are, what are the various incentives that are causing rents to go up and rent evictions to go up? I'll give you one example that, uh, that my team and I have been working on, and that's the so-called real estate investment trusts. Right. REITs. One type of, yeah, you got it, these REITs. Well, what, we're in the midst of a campaign to tax the REITs. Why is it the real estate investment trusts don't pay any corporate tax, but rather it's only the unit holders, should they not find other ways to shield themselves from taxation? That's the only place at which there is any taxation happening at all. And when you look at report after report from groups like ACORN and Canada Without Poverty and the Office of the Federal Housing Advocate. Who are all saying this is an obvious loophole that should be closed. And when you close it, take those same funds and invest that money in the non-market housing we actually need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we're going to have to do both. Yeah. I mean, I can give you, I'll give you an example. Like I I live in a REIT, uh, you know, very, very respectful management. I, I like them. They're, they're awesome. They're very friendly. However, they have an agenda. Like I talked to like on a personal level with the manager and she's like really awesome. I talked to her boss who now controls like nine, nine of their properties, right? Their head office. I mean, they actually own it, right? But they actually, you know, he actually, I mean, I guess the franchise, he actually runs them all. Um, and he's just said, we, we have to have the financial return to our investors. I said, so, well, who are like, well, we're agents. I go, so who are the investors? We are. I'm like, What? And I, it blew my mind, Mike. I was like, well, I go, but they're, they're nice, but they go, they get it. And so again, I tell them, you know, I do my podcasts and I'm having you on, we're talking about, you know, we're going to talk about the C22. And I said, I'll bring up the topic about rent. I said, because it's so important. They said, please do. And they said, the rates across the country, they, they, this is coming from a landlord. They said, the rates need to be increased. Like they have to be, it's not even an option. Like, um, I said, well, it comes down to, I mean, they're good management, but you're going to get some other bad players out there that are going to say, sorry, we're not going to rent to you. I help. I appreciate you bringing that up, Brent, because it for me also raises another other point that I don't think there's often bad people. No, no, exactly. It's it's people who are working in a system that is incentivizing what yeah, we don't want. Yeah. So so change the incentives. 
Yeah. And I feel very affirmed from my community that my job in Ottawa is to work towards addressing these incentives that address the housing crisis, that address disability justice, that address wealth inequality. And that's why I'm going to keep spending time on those things because that's yeah. how our democracy is supposed to work. And I'm going to work with anybody. I don't care what party you're with to say, yeah. can we not agree that this, that, that, that home should be places for people to live. You want to go make a buck, go invest in the stock market and the people with disabilities deserve a guaranteed income to live on. And if we agree on those things, let's act like it. And that's what they that's what they told me too. They said they, it's a system, it's a systemic issue. It needs to be completely changed. And like, yeah, they be there all for it. They're like, yeah, tax us. I'm like, you know what? I'd love to have you on the show. I said, yeah. And then, well, I said, well, I probably would lose my job. <laughs> so, Mike, there's a um, clip that um, that was actually in the house. Did you want me to? I play. It was from Matthew Green. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna just uh, from this morning here. This is this is high tech. Much. I want to go back to the 2023 Just Recovery Hamilton report for Mrs. Sarangi. Um, and I want to highlight something that she talked about in terms of food banks. 75% of people accessing food banks in Hamilton are on social assistance. Poverty among seniors and those with disabilities in Hamilton has increased over the past several years from 2016 to 2021. Our seniors' poverty rate rose from 11 to 12%. And people in Hamilton on provincial social assistance uh, have seen their, their supports completely stagnated with people on ODSP having an annual income of $9,600 below the poverty line, below the low income poverty line. And the uh, folks that are on Ontario Works, for them, in many cases, it's even worse with their supports being frozen at $733 a month. So this stagnation um, of social supports, coupled with this astronomical increase in the rise of, of the costs of food and rent and the basic necessities for survival, I'm wondering if you could just perhaps take a, the, the last remaining moments here and share what you're hearing in terms of the human impacts of legislated poverty across the country uh, based on the stories that you've heard and the work that you've done. Um, thank you for that question. There is no social or disability assistance program in any jurisdiction across the country that brings people's incomes to that low income measure. And that low income measure is not a thriving income. It is just getting by in the day to day. The stories that I hear are horrendous. People call my cell phone all the time in desperation and there is nowhere, nowhere for people to turn to. Um, we are really encouraging this government to not make things worse uh, by implementing a survey amnesty immediately and then looking at the Canada social transfer. That's the block transfer that goes to provinces and territories to fund these programs, increase investments in those and tie them to conditions to make sure they're advancing our human rights obligations. Just uh, on that note, I'm sure you're familiar that the Liberal government uh, promised to introduce the Canadian Disability Benefit without delay some 870 days ago. I'm wondering if you would see a National Disability Benefit Program help lift people out of poverty as well for consideration of this 2023 budget. Absolutely. That is an urgent priority. And we would also like to see a disability benefit for children and a caregiver's benefit for their caregivers. Children and families who are caring for children with disabilities are not included in that federal disability benefit. Um, both of those things are extraordinarily urgent and should be moved on as a number one priority. Wow. 
So that uh, that was actually from uh, MP Matthew Green um, from Hamilton, Ontario, uh, who had uh, broadcast on there this morning. So that's fantastic. Two, I think, key items we need to unpack from that. The first is the importance of indexing the Canada disability benefit to inflation. Mm -hmm. That was the subtext of Matthew's original question. ODSP, again, here in Ontario, has stagnated for 10 years until this year. They finally increased it by 5% during an election year, which is less than the 8% inflation we're experiencing. But yeah. actually, it's still a 3% decrease. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not benefiting people at all. I mean, that's just like, hurrah, hurrah, look what we're doing. But it's right. not, not helping anybody. No. Right. So another amendment I brought forward at the committee process that we're able to get passed and fully supported is indexing the Canada Disability Benefit to inflation. Yeah, that was a that was a stealth use of the mute button there. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I am. That was, that was not, better. That was better than I did earlier. <laughs> not feeling my best, so thanks for dealing with mm. me here. But so important again, again, all parties voted in support of it. We know that the Canada Disability Benefit will be indexed to inflation, which gives us a better chance of trying to keep up. Mm -hmm. The second key point that Matthew brought up there, it's so important, is that we got to put pressure on the federal government to fund the benefit. Right. So I, one way we can be thinking about this is there's, there's kind of three, even four campaigns we're in the midst of at the same time. The first is move the legislation ahead as quickly as we can. The yeah. second is to improve the legislation. We've done as much as we've been able to do there. The third we talked about is DERB, is the emergency mm -hmm. risk response. But the forest has to be to actually fund the benefit. We don't only need the legislation. We need the federal government to put money behind it. How much stronger of a position are they in to negotiate with provinces and territories if they put money down in advance yeah. like they did for childcare already? Yeah, it's not difficult to basically put it in there and they can pump it out so quickly. I mean, like, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, uh, like, sir, how, how quickly they got that out the door. I mean, it's so easily to get that out the door. It's we've so, got a couple, Sorry, I, I was just going to jump in and, uh, oh, yeah. and say we've got a couple of questions from the floor here on oh, chat. Sure. One, Neil, can I, can I make one comment oh, before the next sure. question? So, so, just so, as a call out. Sorry, if, sorry. if your MP is not already named Matthew Green or Benita Zarillo, uh, yes. Encourage you to consider reaching out to your MP to say, are you going to advocate for the Canada Disability Benefit to be in budget 2023? And show me your work. Tell me where and how you're going to be advocating for this to happen. If you, if you don't know your MP's email address, it's their first name, a period, their last name at parl.gc, as in governmentofcanada.ca. Ask for a meeting, send a personal email. That's how our democracy is supposed to work. And that advocacy, we're, we're filming this in late February. The budget should be over the coming weeks. Your timing could not be better for that push. I'll pause there, Neil. I know you got more questions there. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, the, there was a couple of questions. Uh, one was from Dan, and he said, uh, with no regulations or amounts or timelines, et cetera, what exactly is it that is going to the Senate currently? So basically, I guess the question is, 
is is the same bill going to the Senate and and are they going to be kind of uh, debating the same things as what's going on in the House? Yes. So so Dan, uh, the mm. the governing party is calling it framework legislation. It's the legislation that was passed through the House of Commons that has a section. It's section eleven that defers almost all of these decisions to the regulations. It sets up some other key elements. Some of those I've mentioned, like the indexing to inflation is in the bill. The definition is in the bill. So that same bill is now in front of the Senate. They will have a chance to also suggest amendments. There are a few that we didn't get passed in the House of Commons that they could consider trying to improve the bill at uh, Senate. That then, when that passes through the Senate, and I'm hoping that'll be over the coming weeks or months, then we start the regulation process. And so it's this framework. Most of the decisions aren't there, but that's what the law, ideally, once it gets passed, that's what the this Canada Disability Benefit Act will set out, and then the regulations will follow. Okay. So the follow-up question to that, then, that's kind of related, yeah. comes from uh, Bertie, and she says... Uh, what is the chance of the C-22 moving through the Senate when they re return to the sitting days on March the 7th? Another great question. And even for Dan's yeah. question, if, if you're curious to read the bill, again, publicly accessible, if you are um, you know, connected to the internet, if you type in C-22, and then the word legisinfo, that's mm. the quickest way to get to the Government of Canada website. It's spelled L-E-G-I-S-I-N-F-O. Uh, and then you can read the bill for yourself if that's the kind of thing you're into. Um, to, to answer this question in terms of the Senate, we don't know how, um, the, how quickly they're going to prioritize debating it and then bringing it mm -hmm. to committee. I'm hoping because the Senate saw the House of Commons move as quickly as we did, when they mm -hmm. see elected MPs moving that quickly. Mm -hmm. I hope they take a cue from that and right. might move similarly quickly on it, but we don't have guarantees on that. And I'll be watching just as you all are and encouraging uh, the Senate to prioritize it the way we did in the House um, and to move as quickly as possible uh, to get it, get it passed, potentially with a few improvements we couldn't get through in the House. Um, so I'm sorry I don't have a clearer answer. I'm hoping it's a matter of weeks, though, and not and not months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and and any um, anyone that's on the uh, BC uh, South Coast, uh, your local MPs, uh, just like Mike mentioned, uh, you know, their first name, um, you know, period. Uh, um, is it G GC dot? Um, uh, let uh, is it to let. Can you maybe maybe say that happy, again? Happy to again. No problem <laughs> yes. at all. You can even go on my website. I list this out also, but it's just their first name. So in my case, it's Mike, period, last name, Morris, yep. the at symbol, parl as in parliament, dot That's gc dot ca. You That's got it. I almost got it. I was just like. Ah, you're all good. It's all good. First name dot last name at parl dot gc dot ca. Send them an email. If the more it comes from the heart, the more it's personal to your MP, that's where the accountability lies. Brent can send me an email, and while I appreciate the advocacy and will be listening to persons with disabilities across the country, my accountability is to my neighbors in Kitchener Center. 
And it's and it's when I get emails from folks in Kitchener that I that's that's where I'm taking my cues from. And it's the reason why I'm in this conversation right now, because I spoke with so many people in my community living with a disability on ODSP in legislated poverty. And I'm doing my best to to improve their their lives. And that's how our democracy is supposed to work. Yeah. And in like in Victoria, BC, where I am right now, uh, anyone from Victoria, um, your local MP is Laurel Collins. So it'd be laurel.collins at par at, at parl.gc.ca in Nanaimo. Um, I was speaking with a couple people earlier. Um, your representative is um, uh, Marie Behrens, Lisa Marie Behrens. So same thing, first name, period, last name. So uh, yeah, and then, you know, there's Elizabeth May, right? The same thing that you keep going down. Now there's Alistair Greger, like there's different names that the people that I've met along my pathways. So um, they're very strong advocates, um, just like yourself, uh, Mike. Um, and, you know, we all come together to get this uh, Bill C-22 done and uh, better enhance people's lives. Um, because well, that's... I, I can say at least, Brent, for the, those names you just mentioned, those are all MPs that I know have publicly shared their support. And so that mm -hmm. means they've been hearing from their constituents and their parties uh, that are aligned. Uh, mm -hmm. And so those are all, you know, fantastic supporters of the disability benefit. Neil, have you got a few more questions for us? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say we're, we're up against the clock here. We got three or four minutes left, but there was one okay. question that came in. Uh, from Scarlet Scarlet's meal <laughs> online oh. says, uh, as a former Crown Ward, I want to ask what drives Mike to do this kind of work and how he mm -hmm. thinks the benefit may play out if it all goes well. That's a good question. That's the kindest question. Yes. Um, <laughs> I wow. think for I so I think about probably similar to what you both think about. When I get out of bed each day, I'm thinking, how do I put my time to use in a good way to improve my community and and i i felt before i ran i was kind of angry at some of the decisions that were being made by the federal government and i wanted to put my time to use to address the systems level root causes of some of the wealth inequality the climate crisis we're in about some of these things and I just felt like there was no other place that I could have a larger, that I could do the most good as I can for as long as I can. Some yeah. of you might know uh, I'm a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with stage one testicular cancer in, in 2019. And one of the outcomes for me of that diagnosis is just a reminder that I don't know how much time I've got. Mm -hmm. I might, might have a one month. I might have, uh, you know, many, many years, but it feels pretty privileged and mm -hmm. sacred to get to put my time towards work like the disability benefit to think yeah. that before the next election we could be in a point where i i could i could say to a neighbor of mine that we got them we won them the disability community stood together across this country to push for this benefit then i was a small part of that mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know what else i would yeah. do with my time besides yeah. that the, the the second part of the question what I'm hoping for, we had another amendment get passed that uh, that requires for government to ensure that the benefit is barrier free. So what I'm hoping is that it will be as simple as when you fill out your taxes, mm -hmm. that you'll be automatically enrolled 
automatically have a payment in your bank account from the federal oh. government supplementing the provincial amounts. We don't know what it's going to look like yet. So please, I'm yeah. not saying this is what's going to happen, but you asked me what I hope will happen. Mm -hmm. I've tried to advocate for language in the bill that leads towards what the disability community has been calling for, which is yeah. make it as barrier-free, as accessible as possible, with as wide an eligibility as possible. And it's maybe a good point to close on because mm -hmm. the, you know, your timing of having this conversation, Brent and Neil, is so ideal because we're in the midst of this fight still. And we're going to be for some time still. If this gets passed in the Senate in the next month or two, they have yeah. we, we set out another amendment that gives them up to but no more than one year to create the regulations. Right. So we know we're going to have that time to continue to advocate. So this is going to, this, this push is going to need to continue as we push for ensuring that, that Neil, that you're at that table and that other people with disabilities are at that table throughout that year, pushing for the kind of disability benefit that we know we need. And I have a much better confidence that we're going to get it knowing that Brent, that yeah. you're going to be there, that Disability yeah. Without Poverty is going to be there, that the MS Society is going to be there. Yeah. And, and that's what is, we all pull together we, to get it done. Um, you know, and cutting all those, uh, the red tape, uh, the, that legislation, the accessibility stuff is so important because knowing that there's less things to jump through, all the hoops to jump through. And and speaking of that, um, before, our, uh, before we end the session, we have a, um, a rally, an online rally starting tomorrow too. Uh, at um, yeah, so to be online is not. It was it was supposed to be at the uh, at the BC Legislature. Um, however, it um, got cancelled uh, due to bad weather yesterday. We had a snowstorm, so it's actually going to be online with a Zoom. So look under for uh, Jeff Leggett. Um, he'll be doing a Zoom online rally and uh, getting the advocating about the rates to be no less than poverty level. It's so important. Uh, so yeah, tying all this in together all at the same time, right? I, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, we are up at the up at the end of the clock now, but I just wanted to uh, yeah thank Mike because you you have been a really enthusiastic enthusiastic supporter of Brent's show. I think this is the seventh time you've been on the show, so uh, we're really uh, blessed to have you uh, come on so many times. So you're, you're very outspoken and a very yeah. strong supporter of all. Uh, people with disabilities out there. We really appreciate it. It's it's so wonderful, Mike, to have you come on um, on, a, on a regular basis uh, onto the show uh, and talking about, you know, the lived experience of what you're hearing in the community and what and echoing uh, our voices going forward. Uh, you're championing our voices going forward and wanting to to see change happen. And just like everybody in the disability community and all the organizations and collaboratively uh, all chiming working chiming and working together and just chiseling away um i always say knock the doors down right and once you knock more doors down it actually exposes the legislative poverty for what it is and we need to now fix that right and and it's so exciting to to be part of the movement of um, the c22 of having um, our voices heard and having you know you mike um, for coming on and um, taking our voices forward and being part of this um, is so amazing. Uh, and I always enjoy having you coming on the show. And I'm looking forward to having uh, more and more of you coming on the show, Mike. 
Well, I feel like I learned something every time and I hit it right on the head there, Brent. It's taking your voices forward. Yes. That's what I hope to continue to be doing. And by, by being with you, I feel like I'm in a better place to do that. So thanks for having me back again. Thanks to everyone yeah. who joined us uh, this morning or this afternoon, depending where, where you, you are. And I know I'll be uh, with you again soon. Thank you. Yes. All right. And, thank you. And, and thank you, Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.